0: Involved in, or or this is it something I'm supposed to do? As a church, every every person we talked to,
1: service in Christ was was what they were supposed to do, no matter what it was. I
0: mean, it was refreshing for me to see a whole church seven days a week, all the time, talking about how they could serve one another, the community, whatever the case may be. And, and so, for me to to see that and be there was fantastic. Um, to see a pastor so concerned about his church, serving the community and and loving people in Christ, that it was just amazing. Um, but we have a lot to do in the next little bit planning our next trip and figuring out what needs to happen, so if anybody wants to go with us, just let us know. Um, we're basically going to be focusing on orphan ministry and Roman ministry, which we consider Romans as gypsies, but they're trying to force themselves back into society as profitable people, <laughs> not just what we think of when we think of the word gypsies. Um, so pray for the church. Um, I spoke to the pastor this morning. They're praying for us. They asked that we pray for them. And in particular, pray, pray for the youth leader um, team. There's about 11 of them on their youth leader team, and they are very, very busy. Um, about seven days a week, they're doing something. So just pray for them. Uh, they're all young. I mean, the leader, Miroslav, is in his 40s, but everybody else is early 20s.
1: Or midpoints, and so they're very busy. So just pray for them. Thanks. And you brought Jonathan back, right? We're yeah, I'm
0: right.
1: <laughs> Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter thirteen, please. <clears throat> Hebrews thirteen, and we're going to look in verses seven through nine, particular here. Uh, this morning, but let me remind you of where we are at this book. This is the last chapter, and this is a chapter where there is more application than there has been the entire book, because the great faith that has been delivered to Jesus' disciples, anchored in the person of Jesus, uh, planned in the, by the Father, uh, applied by the Holy Spirit, that great gospel work. For we do not have to rest and trust in ourselves, but in another's work, now fleshes out, now is worked out uh, into our lives. And when we began the chapter, verse one said, "Let brotherly love continue as the framework for all of this." And it talked about hospitality, talked about serving those who are uh, experiencing hostilities and difficulties, even imprisonment for their faith and, and persecution. Then last week we looked at marriage and how the gospel uh, 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 works itself out in marriage and purity to one's spouse before God. And then it also reorients our view of possessions and things and money and verse 5 and 6 because Jesus is the one who will never leave and forsake us, but money comes and goes. Possessions come and go. People even come and go. So in verse 6, He says, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Man is fickle. Man changes. And then verse 7-9, through He brings out this truth, a verse that we're all familiar with, but quite frankly sometimes quoted out of context. He anchors... Verse 7 and 9 in the truth of verse 8. And verse 7, being anchored in the truth of verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever, is the positive statement to remember those who have ministered the Word into your life. And then verse 9 is the negative statement, and stay away from teaching that is not grounded in Jesus Christ who is always the same. And this morning, the truth that I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us in this text and does communicate to us in this passage is that the only constant in the church should be Jesus. The only constant in the church should be Jesus. Jesus was with your leaders in the past. Jesus will be with your leaders in the present Jesus, will be with your leaders in the future. And in verse 7, he says, Remember them, which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or their life, considering the outcome of their life. And his first point for us this morning is very simply, uh, remember your spiritual leaders. Remember your spiritual leaders. Now in verse 7, the original text that this was written in, the Greek text, is in the past tense. And the idea is this, remember them which have led you, which have overseen you, those who have overseen you, who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow considering the outcome of their life. And his point is, remember the ones who uh, have invested in you in the past. The ones who are worth remembering are the ones who lead you into God's will, who deliver to you the message of God's will, who walk in God's will, and who call you together to walk with Him in His will, the Word of God. Remember your spiritual leaders. Remember what they taught. He says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the Word of God. Remember what they taught. Then he says, whose faith follow? Imitate. The working out of the Gospel in their lives? Imitate that. Follow that. So remember not only what they taught, but how they conducted themselves. As you reflect and remember these leaders. Remember their humility. Remember their example. Remember their task. Verse 17. He says, Obey them that have the rule over you. Now he's talking about the present, currently ruling over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And then in verse... Uh, 24, salute or greet all them that have the rule over you. He's talking about again, overseers, uh, elders, uh, pastors, bishops, as it's translated in other places, shepherds. So he's telling them to remember their <laughs> task that they have been called to do. Now these, I believe, are leaders who the writer of Hebrews is speaking to. These leaders are now gone. And quite frankly, very probably, these leaders are now dead. These are leaders that had laid the foundation of the truth for the church that is written uh, that the writer that the people of Hebrews, the audience, is is a part of. These are leaders who may have been very possibly martyred for their faith, which is why he says in verse seven, considering the end of their conversation or the outcome of their faith. These are people who, like in Hebrews chapter 11, walked by faith and walked the course and finished the course, and then their course was finished and they went home to heaven. These are leaders who they are told to remember. You remember things that have already occurred, right? He's talking about the past. These are men who led them this church in the past. Men who spoke, but are not speaking anymore. Uh, 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 men who probably uh, uh, had been in a context of persecution, such as verse 3 talks about. He says, remember the outcome of their conduct. And he anchors that in verse 8 by reminding them that Jesus Christ was that same yesterday that yesterday that these leaders were ministering their lives. He was the same then. These were people, these were men who were willing to seal the teaching of the Word of God, the apostles' doctrine. They were willing to seal that with their own lives. And that is the whole reason they were able to be entrusted with the Gospel. Because they were willing to suffer and even die for it, even for these uh, this flocks of, of spiritual good and advancement with Jesus. They were willing to do that. They had an unwavering commitment and truth to the Word of God. They had a courage and a boldness and a fortitude and a perseverance in spite of opposition, in spite of attacks, in spite of hardships, in spite of conflict probably from within as we... Piece together the, the situation here in the book of Hebrews, there seemed to be some competing factions about going back to, to the Jewish law instead of finding the freedom that they needed to find in Christ. In spite of hardships, from without as well. These were leaders who had invested faithfully and wisely and continually in this flock and they are told to remember them. The 50 or so years that this church here has been officially recognized and on the books, you have had faithful leaders. You have had leaders who have conducted themselves well. You have had leaders who have walked in humility. You have had leaders who faithfully delivered the Word of God. You have had leaders who have counseled the Word of truth to you in hardship. You have leaders who probably have rebuked you when you needed it. You have leaders who corrected you, who exhorted you. Remember those spiritual leaders. And if you've come from other churches and are, and are, and are, and are, and are finding uh, your place here and your, your, your home here, remember those who have invested in your life from other places as well. Probably all of us can think of a pastor that, 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 uh, that was a faithful shepherd who invested the word of truth in our lives and made a profound impact on our lives. Remember. Remembering their unwavering commitment and truth to the Word of God. I was reminded of, of David Livingston who was an explorer in Africa when Africa was largely unexplored explored by uh, the, the Europeans. And David Livingston left Scotland, left England to go uh, travel into Africa on what was called the Dark Continent because of the unknowns there. <clears throat> and as he uh, hacked his way through the jungle, as he... Across the savannas as he, as he spread the gospel of Jesus Christ as he explored, the natives of Africa were so impacted by his life and their love for him, that when David Livingston died after decades of ministry in that great continent... And his body was ready to be shipped home back to Scotland to be buried where he is buried today in Westminster Abbey. The natives knew that his body might be shipped to Scotland, but his heart was there in Africa and they literally took his heart and they buried his heart in Africa. Remember. Remember your spiritual leaders. Because God loves you and because He treasures His church, He has given you faithful leaders for your own good. And we are to draw strength from the Word that has been spoken unto us, communicated, and the Word not only has been spoken, but has been shown. Look what he says in verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the Word of God, whose faith follow, whose faith follow. The job of a spiritual leader is to lead from the Word of God. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse twelve, Paul tells that early church about the leaders who had invested in them, and he says, "And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves." In 1 Timothy chapter three. Uh, there is a whole list of qualifications for the character of these spiritual leaders. And there is one ability, and that is the ability to teach the Word of God. To explain the Word of God. To press home the Word of God. But that, all, that ability is couched out of a life that is to have this quality to it. Why is that so important? Because of verses like Hebrews thirteen seven, those that oversee you, that have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Faith doesn't sit still. Faith is intended to walk out. Faith is intended to be fleshed out. There are actions that are to are to follow a a, a belief, a real trust. In first Timothy chapter five and verse seventeen, Paul says. Says this about the elders. He says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. The hours that are spent in the word of God, the counsel that has been given, and private appointments that you probably will have no idea uh, occur, Um, the conversations, the emails the calls the um, the discipleship um, remember those leaders who invest in your life but of course it's not it's the Word of God that has delivered who have delivered the word of truth that sanctifies us he also talks about their lives the, the incarnation of the word the flushing out of the Word of God and their actions and their reactions <laughs> But their their calling was not to be an entertainer, but to be an example. The qualifications in First Timothy three are their life. You are to follow in their footsteps as they follow in Christ's footsteps. Paul could say in 1 Corinthians four sixteen, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." He could say to the Philippians in Philippians chapter three and verse seventeen. You can say, brethren, be followers or imitators together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He could say to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, let no man despise your youth, but rather be what? An example. An example. So our lives... It's not just the things that come out of our mouths. It's the things that come out of your leaders' lives that, that you are to follow and legitimately ask yourself, how would so-and-so have handled that? What would be the counsel from Scripture that would come in this situation? As you ponder, these leaders have impacted you who are now gone. But I also want to remind us to rest in the Sovereign Lord. Rest in the Sovereign Lord. Because the whole point of this is that leaders come and go, don't they? Warren Wearsby tells a story after he had announced his resignation from a church that he had been pastoring for several years. One of the members came and said to him, I don't see how I'm going to make it without you. I depend so much on you for my spiritual health. And Warren Wearsby said, well, then the sooner I leave you, the sooner you can start depending on the Lord. (laughs) Uh, Never build your life on any servant of God. Follow their faith. But build your life on Jesus Christ. He never changes. That's why Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So the second point is very clear in verse 8 that all this is anchored in. Rest in your sovereign Lord. Jesus Christ, the sovereign of the ages, The King of kings, Lord of lords. The same yesterday and today and forever. Leaders come and go. And we've just heard how the honor that God gives godly leaders, but Jesus will continue to build His church. He always raises up a new generation, doesn't He? And He will build it past them as well when they go, as He did with you. Get your sight on Jesus building His church. There is always a changing of the guard, isn't there? There is a changing of the guard that happens because leaders are mortal. They are human. But there is one sovereign head of the church who will finish the job. And in one sense, as important as leaders are, they are also dispensable. For every Moses, there was a Joshua. For every Elijah, there was an Elisha. For every Stephen who was martyred, and can you imagine the horror of the early church, there was a Saul holding the garments. For every Paul in Second Timothy 2, there was a Timothy. And friends, when your leaders fall off the scene, the Lord is present, and He is still accomplishing His promise that He will build His church. Rest in your sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, the one who 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 finished the work that we needed to have done on our behalf to bring us and draw us near to God. That's what the Book of Hebrews is all about. But the one who is still here, present, and who is sanctifying us, who is making us more like like Himself, who is uh, 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 who is our intercessor, who is the one we come boldly to in the, the to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Jesus Christ today. And Jesus Christ will be the same tomorrow when you wake up. The same tomorrow. He will hold you fast. Rest in your sovereign Lord. And finally, resist spiritual lies. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and His truth does not change, and Jesus Christ is the same today, and Jesus Christ truthfully the same tomorrow tells us that you can resist spiritual lies that distort that truth. You see, verse 9 says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. I'll explain that here in a minute. But his point is, don't be carried away then. You know there is no new truth. There is no new truth. I don't care what the latest guru says. We're even cloaked in Christianity, there is no new truth. Solomon said, "There's nothing new under the sun." It just comes up in different different ways. It's the same same stuff. And 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 the point of this is that if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, then corruption strange or alien teachings is the idea here, diverse and strange doctrines, uh, that may come across and present themselves as the next best thing is not new truth, it is a distortion. Now we might, we might uh, discover truth that we have forgotten and moved away from, but there is no new truth. No new believer, no old believer, has ever had an original thought. Sorry. It's always borrowed from God's truth. Folks, we have 2,000 years of New Testament orthodox truth that has carried the church today. Truth and grace that God has built his church by. And we do not need to be carried away by diverse winds of doctrines. In fact, the writer of Ephesians, Paul, says, that one of the ways we grow together is by not being carried about by various winds of doctrines. Do not be carried away. Resist spiritual lies. Here is a lie that seemed to be uh, infiltrating that early church in verse 9. He says, diverse and strange doctrines. He doesn't say a lot about it, but he adds this little uh, caveat to it. He says, or explanation, he says, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats. Perhaps there was in that day... A teaching in the context of the book of Hebrews, where Moses' law about food was a way that you could earn standing with God by keeping Moses' law and distorted the gospel into a works of salvation. In addition to the gospel for right standing. Or perhaps on the other side, like was shared in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, 16 through 23, Paul says. <coughs> Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head. Jesus, the same yesterday, today and forever from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments or the elemental things of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances, extra man-made laws, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men? which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will, worship, and humility, and neglecting the body, and not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above, spiritual things, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who was our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. What's his point here? <clears throat> measure these teachings that are coming from this pulpit or anywhere else with the Word of God. And perhaps there was in that day a teaching that engaging in physical things, such as perhaps baptisms or such as the things that you ate or consumed, or, or um, uh, the, the, the incense or the candles, Uh, had a a spiritual uh, uh, power to them. And Paul says, no. You stand in the grace of God. God's unmerited favor and His power for you to continue in that and you are to continue in the grace of God. You don't build your life on the fact that uh uh you were baptized at a certain point. As important as baptism is in expressing to the world that you have received Christ, it is not your baptism that saved you. It is the it is the uh display that God has saved you. You don't build your life on your certain diet for earning your standard with God. You don't build your life on on, on rituals. You build your life on the grace of Jesus Christ that, that faith that was once delivered to the saints and is good enough for today and tomorrow. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds the Corinthians who had been engaging in other teachings. Outside of Scripture, he says, Moreover, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you yesterday, All right, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, there's today, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the grace, this is the gospel that Jesus has accomplished for us, that we stand in today, and that we will stand in tomorrow. And so when the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 9, For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. He is saying, build your life on Jesus. Verse 8, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because that other stuff is strange teachings. this alien teachings to the Word of God. To this life and new covenant grace in Jesus. When you put all this together, it tells us to make sure we're continuing building on the same foundations. It's telling us to make sure we have the same focus. It's telling us to continue in the gospel that you were saved in. It's telling us that there is no other hope. It's telling us that there is no other way. It's telling us what our church needs to be oriented around. It tells us that Jesus won't quit on us it tells us that we can't quit on Jesus. Jesus, the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus, very God, a very God. Entering humanity, being incarnated, born of the flesh. Join humanity, God himself, join humanity, God in Christ lived the perfect life that you and I did not live in this world. We've fallen short of His glory. Lived that perfect life and then was accused of sin falsely. Gave His life innocently in our place on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. All part of His plan was buried and three days later walked out of the tomb alive. Sends the Spirit upon His church. Builds His church. Delivers the body of truth that His church needs to be established in. Delivers the Gospel message, the good news for those who are not part of the church to come to Jesus and for the church to grow deeper in and promises to return one day. That's a Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're turning to anything else, you miss the point. And there is no hope outside of Him. And so that's why the author says, remember those who press that into your life. And take note and separate from those who will not do the same. What this tells us is that, very simply, you and I need to be connected with men and women who are connected to Jesus remains the same. And so a call to our church from this passage is to stand with us if we stand, as we stand on the Word of God. And if, we, and if we do not do that, then leave. And rightly so. If we do not stand on the Word of God, then go to a church that will. Stand with us as we stand on the Word of God. Grow together with us. These past... Um, few months have delivered a lot of joy in a lot of different ways. In my particular opportunities in ministry here, many of you can look back at years gone by and see how God worked and praise Him for the things that He's done and rejoice in that. And we want to all say together as we look back on this day and this time, years from now, we want to be able to say that God continued what He had begun; That God continued something of self-hope that is still engaging generations for His glory. Because The Jesus of 1960 was the Jesus of 1970, which is the Jesus of 1980 and 90 and 2000 and 2017. And tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sure, some things change. Jesus doesn't change. And if we are anchored around that truth, brothers and sisters, we're on the right side. We're going forward. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. A man sitting in our, our midst who has spoken unto you the word of God for, in, in two terms. Seems like a two term president. And after that second term, he just couldn't be, uh, didn't, have, didn't have another term uh, available, right? Pastor Finnamore, Uh Labored years and years, for the word of God. Some of you are still here today because of the impact the Word of God and His, and his example uh, had on your life. Some of you who have come from other churches are here today because of the impact of another person in your life. Think of Liz Laycock and Pastor Donato, right? And some of you others. People who have invested in your lives. If you understand the impact of that person in your life, the impact of that person in your life, don't downplay the impact of your life into another person's. Because God has called us to this great task of making disciples. And apparently somebody did this in this church, church here in, in the book of Hebrews. Someone had made disciples. And they had laid a foundation. They had established these believers in the faith. And they were gone now. They were dead. But their lifelong impact was not dead. Because what they delivered to them was not their own life. They delivered a life that was connected to the same Jesus. And if you want to have an impact on a life, your life has to be connected to Jesus. And Jesus has to be ministered to you. Your love of snicker bars isn't going to really translate to eternity to another person, right? But a love for Jesus transcends ages. And so as I look on my life, I'm thankful for those who had the oversight over me, who' have spoken unto me the Word of God. And friends, maybe your experience was not good with other ministries. I think there's a little bit of good in every ministry. But regardless, that's why we have verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And may we now stand and be able to look back and say, God continues something at South Hope that's still engaging generations for His glory. Let's pray.